You're listening to Bloom After Baby, the podcast. We're your hosts, Rachel Daggett and Jen Jordan. We're a therapist and a doctor and and both moms moms of two. We're here to discuss the mental health and wellness needs that are unique to motherhood. From confusing hormone swings to your expanding body to boundaries in tricky relationships, we'll give you the information you need to experience motherhood in a way that feels good to you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's Let's get get to it. Hello, everyone. This is Jen. I am the doctor half of Bloom After Baby, and I am here today recording solo following up on an episode on postpartum rage. A couple weeks ago, we talked about postpartum rage or mom rage, and Rachel and I shared our own personal experiences with this unsettling and confusing condition. And if you missed it, I would definitely go back and listen to it. It's pretty funny looking back on it, but at the time was definitely pretty distressing to both of us. And after the episode, we talked about following up with more information about what actually causes postpartum rage. So today we'll talk more about that, what is going on in the mind and body that is underlying this experience. And we'll talk about some practical strategies and exercises that might help you be able to cope with and or mitigate some of these feelings if it's something that you're experiencing. So let's backtrack for a minute. When we're talking about postpartum rage or mom rage, let's let's define that a little bit better. We're usually referring to sudden and intense feelings of anger. So the intensity there is really the hallmark. Rage can look like feeling extra irritable or always on edge, exploding at even small triggers the sudden urge to scream, to throw things when angry, often guilt or shame following angry outbursts. And as I mentioned, Rachel and I shared our personal experiences with this in the last episode. So definitely for some colorful examples, turn back to those earlier episodes. But before we go more into what is unique about rage and anger and postpartum, let's talk a little bit more about what's happening in your mind and body when you experience emotions of anger. So Looking at the neuroscience of anger, what actually causes us to experience emotions of anger. And we can kind of describe this broadly by saying that when our brain interprets or perceives a threat or frustration, that that is the trigger in the cycle that leads to the emotion of anger. So, in general, we think of that pathway as a threat or frustration, as an inciting event. And this can be something that happens or even just something you're thinking about. And that threat can be related to physical harm, but can also be something that is just a threat to your ego or your comfort, something that causes you to feel uncomfortable, anxious, vulnerable. Frustration can be anything that essentially doesn't achieve the desired outcome or goal. So think of a task you're doing that's interrupted, something someone else is doing that deviates from your desired outcome or behavior. So those are broad definitions of threat or frustration. And then the anger pathway looks like that threat or frustration triggering event is the input and processed by the amygdala, which is also considered the reptilian brain, is about survival and not just physical safety, but really can react to anything that seems to threaten our security. So even situations that cause us pain, make, a, make us feel insecure or vulnerable, and has a central role in emotional responses, including feelings like anger, as well as pleasure, fear, anxiety. So when we say there's a thin line between love and hate, there is actually 
an anatomical overlap. But as far as anger, so so we have the amygdala processing this input, threat, frustration, etc., and other subcortical structures that connect to the autonomic system in our body to prepare the body for fight or flight behaviors. But as the amygdala fires, at the same time, part of our orbital frontal cortex, so think behind the forehead, just above the eyes, also engages. It's your fact checker and the part of you that says, are you sure that's a good idea? Pumping the brakes in this anger cycle. So we have the threat, frustration, the inciting trigger, the amygdala and subcortical structures that activate our physical autonomic response, fight or flight type response is part of that. And at the same time, the prefrontal cortex activating, pumping the brakes. So this is all normal cycle. People experience anger, but then they can regulate or suppress those emotions before acting, pumping the brakes, that feedback from the prefrontal cortex structures. So what's happening when we feel uncontrollable or overwhelming anger, which is the case in postpartum rage that a lot of times this feels excessive or at a higher intensity than we are maybe used to feeling and thus feels more difficult to control or unable to control those emotions. So research indicates that potentially two methods are involved here. One, that the regulatory regions, the prefrontal cortex, the brakes are overwhelmed due to the intensity of that that trigger. Or if that inhibitory pathway is in itself compromised. So in other words, one, we have excess of the cues that are creating more activity in the parts of the brain than they're used to handling. So for example, something really offensive or threatening is happening or is persistent, or the regulatory parts of the brain that help to mitigate the anger response aren't functioning as effectively. So in postpartum, research shows that both of these conditions are likely. In postpartum, there are hormone shifts, neurochemical changes, and actual structural brain changes. So these changes can lead to overactivation of the parts of the brain controlling that fight-or-flight response along with decreased activity in the parts of the brain that regulate our response and do the rational thinking, so structures of the prefrontal cortex. So let's talk about postpartum functional and structural changes related to anger-type emotions. So we just said the structures of the prefrontal cortex receives alarm messages from the amygdala and subcortical structures and help decide if a perceived threat is justified or not. So we want to see good flow of traffic on that pathway that's helping us to regulate our emotions on a moment-to-moment basis and decide whether or not to act on our anger emotions. So the amygdala and this connection are helpful in responding quickly and instinctively to baby's needs, keeping baby safe. But what can also happen is with prolonged stress, like the first few weeks with a newborn or any excessive environmental stresses overstimulation to the senses, sleep deprivation, which can actually relate to persistent stress response activation. What happens is that that pathway then can actually become kind of overused and degraded. And think of it as being an overused road being driven on too much. There's too much activity on that pathway. It kind of becomes degraded and less effective in communicating that feedback to regulate our anger response. So that's the literal interpretation of what's happening when you feel like you have a short fuse at the end of a stressful day. And another way to think about this communication is 
an analogy called the upstairs and downstairs brain. The upstairs brain being the prefrontal cortex, which is pumping the brakes in this anger cycle we're talking about. And the downstairs brain, which includes the amygdala and can react to anything that seems to threaten our security. So again, like we talked about, even situations that make make us feel insecure or vulnerable, including people in our lives or social situations. So in high states of stress, when our upstairs and downstairs brain are not connected well, like in this postpartum period, the downstairs brain can kind of go into overdrive and override our upstairs brain. And you can see why our reactions and behaviors are actually leading more from a place of anger because we don't have the same communication between that fact checking and more rational thinking part of our brain that's interpreting those triggers, those inciting events to really determine if they are genuine threats or reasonable frustrations. In addition to this, to these structural and functional changes we're talking about, there's major fluctuations in hormones like estrogen and progesterone that impact neurotransmitters in the brain, such as serotonin and dopamine that are associated with mood changes like depression and anxiety. And research shows that patients with depression and anxiety can also have reduced connectivity between these regions of the brain, so are less able to regulate emotions of anger and rage. So in those settings are already more vulnerable. So in other words, those hormonal fluctuations are impacting our mood and in turn can make you more susceptible to acting out on emotions of anger and rage. And then on top of all of that, research shows that persistent high levels of arousal and stress can sensitize the amygdala and subcortical anger circuit and fuel angry and defensive behavior. So in other words, the pathway can reinforce itself and lowers our anger threshold, essentially. So we can be more likely to get very angry in response to minor irritations that normally wouldn't bother us. So this vicious cycle can perpetuate itself. So to summarize all this, when we're talking about postpartum rage or mom rage, it's not about poor self-control. And it is certainly not a moral flaw or character issue. There is clearly a biologic basis for your anger in this context. And we cannot just think ourselves out of anger or rage. We can't do a lot about the physical changes related to hormones and brain function, but we can intervene at the beginning state of the anger pathway, the triggering event or interpretation of this event, which is the perceived threat or frustration. And this can be about change in both our environment and psychological changes or thought changes having to do with reframing and reshaping our thought processes that are related to the triggering event and our interpretation of that event. So this can look like identifying unhelpful thought patterns that lead us to inaccurate perceptions of a threat or cause frustration. Common unhelpful thought patterns include things like catastrophizing, jumping to conclusions, black and white thinking, mind reading, must-should type statements, Bringing it back to the context of postpartum anger, really common unhelpful thought patterns often have to do with frustration associated with unbalanced childcare efforts or the invisible load of motherhood in this stage, or frustration related to infant behavior like resisting or uh, difficult, difficulty with sleep, inconsolable crying when you don't know what's wrong, maybe a perceptions of threat related to judgment or shame having to do with unsolicited parenting advice. 
list goes on and on. But as you can see, thoughts that underlie our perception of a threat or that cause feelings of frustration can have a lot to do with our core beliefs and things we've experienced in the past and sometimes subconscious for sure. But again, this is where the intervention can come in. So we can learn to challenge these unhelpful thoughts, identifying our triggers, and in turn change our automatic thought patterns that are setting us up for anger. Something called cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, it's a method that can be really effective for this type of reframing or reshaping unhelpful thought patterns. And that's a whole separate conversation. But actually, if you Google CBT exercises for anger or um, Google CBT for unhelpful thought patterns, you can find some really great exercises that can be really effective, really applicable. And then next, another important strategy for mitigating anger cycle and postpartum or any, any period is relaxation techniques like mindfulness or meditation. And why these work is that these techniques aren't just about slowing down and being present. They can actually be a real form of conditioning your nervous system. So research shows that mindfulness can actually rewire your brain in ways that reduce our overactive stress responses and can help strengthen areas involved in mood regulation. One of my favorite quick mindfulness exercises is a three, two, one exercise. So if you're feeling those physical sensations of of anger, tension, increased heart rate, that warm flush, pause, find three things you can see, two things you can hear, one thing you can feel. Really simple grounding mindfulness exercise. Another easy one, five-minute gratitude journaling, uh, breathing exercises, bottle or breastfeeding meditations are great. You can find lots of those for free online. So starting with just one of these that you can add to your routine daily is, is a great place to start. And again, thinking of it as conditioning, as a workout, as actually something that leads to strengthening, building up your resilience, conditioning your nervous system over time. And then really most importantly, in terms of intervention, what we need to start with is hitting the pause button. So when that downstairs brain, the amygdala, sympathetic nervous system is activated in situations and the structures of the upper brain or prefrontal cortex structures aren't fully online yet, it impairs your rational thinking. So we're not acting with our best judgment. So typically these behaviors related to emotions of anger we're not responding with the truest version of ourselves, with our most rational thinking. In these situations, the first thing we really need to do is just pause. Pause and give ourselves time for that more rational thinking part of our brain to come online. And like we talked about here, where that communication is lagging, that, that pathway is degraded. Pause, walk away if you need, give yourself time for that more rational part of your brain to come online, that fight or flight reaction rush of adrenaline and cortisol, your sympathetic nervous system activation, let it have time to slow down. Just do nothing for a few moments and re-engage when you feel like that rush has passed. In fact, for now, that's really the first strategy just to focus on. And then going forward can work on your distress tolerance and ability to reduce your triggers related to the psychological components of threat or frustration, including the exercises I just mentioned, and other approaches and strategies that are more targeted to your specific triggers, potentially. And that's where 
you know, for sure, psychotherapy, talk therapy can be really helpful. But again, bringing it back to postpartum rage or mom rage, so much of what is underlying that has to do with those those triggers we talked about, the triggers related to frustration having to do with juggling so many tasks at once, constant interruptions, struggles with sleeping, struggles with feeding, and over and over again, not achieving that outcome goal reward that's expected, causing those frustration triggers in your brain. And and similarly, like we talked about threat, just this constant overstimulation and persistent activation of that sympathetic fight or flight threat pathway, but also lots of perceived threats related to events that challenge our security, our confidence, cause shame or other discomfort or threats related to our baby and those intrusive thoughts and concerns about baby's well-being. And so a lot of those issues don't need to be like picked through with a fine-tooth comb. It's the compilation of all of these things that's causing this constant triggering. And that's where some of those relaxation and mindfulness and meditation techniques can really help with, with conditioning and slowing down and regulating our nervous system. And then again, that pause element that we're giving ourselves the space between any sort of trigger, whatever it was, where we feel that kind of anger cycle activate and we're giving ourselves that pause so that the corresponding behavior isn't one of anger and we're giving ourselves that space to let the emotion pass before we actually act on that emotion. So a lot of dense content I know will have links to sources from some of the research I mentioned in the show notes and and then also over on Instagram we have posts that cover these topics so feel free to refer back to that. And then also you can find info on the Bloom After Baby blog. We have a blog article on the topic of postpartum rage. And please reach out to us on Instagram with any thoughts or questions. We want to hear from you. And in particular, I really want to know if this info is helpful. So we definitely love your feedback. So that is all for today. Thank you so much for listening. And go out there now and find that pause button. I hope the info was helpful and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for tuning in with us today. If you enjoyed this episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. Your feedback means the world to us and helps us know which conversations you are needing the most. And we'll keep bringing you new episodes every week. So hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for any links or resources that we mentioned. We're on this journey with you, so be sure to find us on the gram and TikTok. Plus, go to bloomafterbaby.com and grab our free guides on all things motherhood created just for you. Breathe, be well, and keep growing, mama.